What is up, you guys? Welcome to another edition of Controversial Thoughts. I've got my kale is bullshit shirt on, and I'm ready to get a little controversial. I think that one of the most controversial things that I've talked about in the last year is not COVID, but fructose, and why I don't fear fructose. And so in this video, I want to counter much of the fructose fear-mongering that I think happens in the nutrition communities. Now, not everybody does this, but there are definitely people in the carnivore community and the ketogenic community who love to cite studies that are done in mice, done with hypercaloric ingestion of fructose, or done with other poor study designs of fructose that cause major problems and use these to advance the hypothesis or advance the idea that fructose is harmful for humans. If you guys listen to the debate that I did with Stephen Gundry, he's no fan of fructose and he used studies like this one to prove his point or to uh, corroborate his point. And I wanna show you guys why studies like this really, I don't think are super relevant and why they can be quite misleading. So this first study is about fructose versus glucose sweetened beverages. Uh, increasing visceral adipose and lipids and decreases insulin sensitivity in overweight and obese humans. And so what you can see is that in this study, which was 10 weeks of uh, glucose consumption and fructose consumption with uh, glucose or fructose sweetened beverages providing 25% of energy requirements, which is quite a bit, there were some negative changes in these individuals. And many will use studies like this to say that, see, fructose is bad for humans, glucose, not so bad, but we should not be eating fruit. We should not be eating honey. And this is a problem. Now I have many problems with this way of thinking. The primary issue here is that this is nutritional reductionism. And I challenged Stephen Gundry and I said, show me a study that shows negative metabolic outcomes with fruit or honey. And he was unable to do that. Uh, he never responded to email, although we talk all the time. So there's, there are not studies there are not a ton of studies done with fruit. There's a few that I'm gonna show you and there are definitely studies done with honey and they don't show this in any way, shape or form in the same manner. So this is nutritional reductionism. This is the type of thing that we try and counter when we're thinking about animal-based diets or other types of diets. And yet it's being levied by the same people in the communities, both ketogenic and carnivore communities. And I think it's unfortunate. Simply put, I think this type of thinking is, you get the idea if you're watching the video. Anyway. Let's just start with all of these principles from first principles, thinking about what we've eaten for millions of years as humans. When I spent time with the Hadza, they loved honey. They ate honey at every opportunity they could, and they did not fear honey or fruit, certainly not seasonal. Why would these things be bad for us? That is the framework with which I am approaching most of these things. Many of the things I think about are coming from that evolutionary framework which is what have we done for the last 2 million years? What do currently living hunter-gatherers do? And how does that affect us in terms of the food choices we make today? And I think there's a lot of wisdom that can be gained there when we think from that perspective, or at least it gives us a framework with which to pursue a hypothesis or at least look for the research to support it or to deny it. And when you look deeper into the research, what you find is there's real discordance in studies that use pure fructose which doesn't occur in nature at all. It always occurs with glucose, either as sucrose or other compounds in fruit or honey, uh, because fructose and glucose together make sucrose. And 
So these studies are either done with isolated fructose or they're done with excess amounts of fructose, or they're not done in the whole food matrix, which appears to have many unique things uh, that affect the way our body turns genes on and off that can affect our handling of these sugars. Imagine that whole foods affect us differently than isolated components. That's not that much of a stretch, is it? But show me the studies that show that fruit and honey have the same negative metabolic effects in humans. And I'll be interested. I haven't been able to find them. If you guys are interested in this topic, I encourage you to listen to the previous controversial thoughts I've done about nutritional reductionism and honey. I talked about a lot of these same studies, um, but I'm gonna talk about these and some other ones today that are a little different. So going deeper, let's start with honey because I think for some reason, this is more controversial. People see honey as pure sugar. I've seen people tweet about that on Twitter. Honey's pure sugar. Uh, it's pure sugar plus a whole bunch of other things that can affect gene transcription in different ways. So check out this study to start. Um, most of the fructose studies that show, many of the fructose studies, excuse me, that show negativity are done in mice. Now, mice do much more de novo lipogenesis, which means they convert much more of the fructose they consume to fat than humans. If you look at tracer studies, humans don't convert much fructose into fat. It's much, much lower than mice. So from the outset, studies done in mice with fructose are flawed. Going further, even in this mouse study, look at the difference between the way that honey and um, other refined carbohydrates affected mice. I thought this was fascinating. I talked about this one on Joe Rogan. Substituting honey for refined carbohydrates protects rats from the hypertriglyceridemic and peroxidative, pro-oxidative effects of fructose. That's crazy. So they give rats refined carbohydrates and they see hypertriglyceridemia, pro-oxidation associated with fructose in, this, in these simple carbohydrate diets. And then they give rats honey and they have a completely different effect. The hypertriglyceridemic effect of fructose was not observed when fructose was provided by honey. Wow, imagine that. So there's, maybe there's something to whole food matrices. Maybe compounds in honey or fruit affect our genes differently and lead to differential effects of fructose in humans. This is what we've been doing for millions of years of evolution. Again, I don't think these foods have been our main source of nutrition and we've always selected animal foods and animal organs as the most valuable foods. And certainly kale is bullshit and was these type of leaves were very, very low down on our hierarchy of foods that we were consuming evolutionarily. But we certainly consumed some fruit. And I think that there's, doesn't make a whole lot of sense that any of that would be that bad for us. Unless you are thinking like a nutritional reductionist. Okay, let's look at a few more studies with honey, then I'll move into fruit. Um, so this one is quite interesting. This one is looking at honey and sham honey. So natural honey lowers plasma glucose C-reactive protein, homocysteine, and blood lipids in healthy diabetic and hyperlipidemic subjects. They compared it with dextrose and sugar, uh, dextrose um, and sucrose, dextrose being a polymer of glucose, sucrose being a uh, disaccharide of glucose and fructose together. In patients with hypertriglyceridemia, which is a pretty good metric for our proxy for metabolic dysfunction, artificial honey decreased triglycerides, excuse me, artificial honey increased triglycerides, while honey decreased triglycerides. They had sham honey, which is sucrose at the same amount that you're gonna find in regular honey, while pure honey decreased triglycerides. Isn't that fascinating? This is akin to what we find with the mouse studies where sham honey or refined carbohydrates is gonna do different things than real honey. And I think that the clear hypothesis here is that there are compounds in honey that are affecting our genes that give our body information and that we're handling this fructose totally differently and that it's never seen in isolation in, in nature. So that's interesting. One more with honey. 
So this one is quite interesting as well. And I discuss it in more detail in the controversial thoughts video about nutritional reductionism, but honey increased saliva, plasma, and urine content of total nitrite concentrations in normal individuals. So this was fascinating to me when I went down this rabbit hole. And what I realized was that raw, dark, organic honey is much better than processed honey or uh, bleached honey or lighter colored honey because it affects these nitrite precursors in humans. And that's a good thing. You want nitric oxide. If you've listened to the conversation I did with Malcolm Kendrick, you know that nitric oxide is intimately connected with endothelial health. And this is a huge part of what makes us have healthy vasculature in humans. And look, here is a raw organic honey, especially the darker honeys, having very positive effects in this regard. When I've challenged people like Stephen Gundry with this stuff, they don't really have anything to say in response. I don't know what to say. I do want to also share one other study done in mice and rat models, but it is an interesting jumping off point for connected hypotheses about what might be going on here. But as you can see here, citrulline, which is an amino acid found primarily in meat and organs and non-essential amino acids, things other than valine, isovaline, leucine, uh, were preventive of fructose-induced non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in rats when they were challenged with fructose. So that's fascinating that nutrients found in meat organs could abrogate the fructose-induced liver damage in rats. So again, hmm, there's nutrient signaling going on to other genes that can change the way certain macronutrients like fructose might affect rat livers and potentially human livers. Imagine that. Maybe a hypothesis here is that if you're getting lots of citrulline, non-essential amino acids because you're eating enough animal foods because you're having a successful hunt, these things aren't bad for you in the first place. It's interesting to consider. Not something that many of the fructose beer mongers have discussed either. As we move into the consideration of studies with fruit, there are a wide variety of things that have been done in this regard. We don't have all of the endpoints that I wish we had, but there are some quite interesting studies. Now, this first one is actually a combination of fruit and vegetables. Unfortunately, these are always grouped together by researchers, which I think muddies the results and people will say what they will about this study. But in this study, which is called the Fruvedomic pilot study, um, they were able to lower circulating ceramides, which are a marker of metabolic dysfunction in young adults when they increased their overall intake of fruit and vegetables for eight weeks. They had decreased waist circumference, systolic blood pressure, circulating cholesterol. Uh, lipidomics revealed that the nutritional intervention can lower circulating ceramides, including C24 ceramide, a known inhibitor of insulin signaling. So fascinating that a trial here seemed to point in the direction of significantly improving metabolic syndrome with the inclusion of both fruit and vegetables. Detractors may argue that it was the vegetables that helped and potentially um, covered over the detriment of fruit in this study. But if you look at large collections, meta-analyses of studies like this one, what you will find is that there are many, many studies that have been done, including fruit or fruit extracts, which did not have negative effects on inflammation was the main thing that was studied. So you can see, for instance, in this one, uh, GUO 2014, randomized controlled trial. Um, there were 44 obese individuals aged 18 to 25. 
They had 250 milliliters of either barberry juice or placebo twice daily for four weeks. They had a decreased level of TNF-alpha and IL-8. Now, 250 milliliters of barberry juice is a significant amount of fruit juice. Let's look at this one. Carlson, 2010 in the USA, an RCT, 62 patients at risk of CBD. 330 milliliters of bilberry juice or water for four weeks a day. They had decreased plasma concentrations of CRP, IL-6, IL-15, and uh, no change in their biomarkers. In this study, TNF-alpha went up. Let's look at this next one. Uh, Finland, RCT, metabolic syndrome, 27 patients, a diet rich in blueberries, 400 grams of fresh blueberries, 400 grams of fresh blueberries, or a control diet for eight weeks. That's a lot of blueberries, guys. That's almost a pound. Decreased serum, HSRP, IL-6, and IL-12. Uh, clearly, the fructose was not creating inflammation in these people. So you can look through this meta-analysis if you'd like. There's a number of trials here. Um, they do have varying results, but the majority are showing either no change in plasma blood levels of things like CRP. Here's 92 grams of grape powder. Uh, all of these are going to contain significant amounts of fructose um, and seems to be pretty benign in terms of all this stuff. And again, this is the actual title of the study. If you guys want to see it, the effects of fruit and vegetable consumption on inflammatory biomarkers and immune cell populations, a systemic literature review and meta-analysis. But Paul, you're saying, I thought you didn't like vegetables. Exactly true. I'm not a huge fan of vegetables. And the meta-analysis breaks it down whether they were doing a fruit intervention or a vegetable intervention. And I think it's actually very interesting to look at the fruit interventions versus the vegetable interventions. So the proponents of this or the detractors of fructose might say, well, it's all the polyphenols in the fruit that's creating the beneficial effect. Well, regardless of what it is, we can argue all day till we're blueberry in the face about whether it's polyphenols, but fructose in the form of fruit, 400 grams of blueberries a day did not increase inflammatory markers in that population in that one study that I showed you. So I'm not sure where the, the detriment of this fruit is being shown by individuals because I've never had anybody send me a study in which more fruit was included in the diet and there were negative metabolic consequences. In fact, most of these have either no change or improved metabolic consequences and either no change or improved inflammatory markers with significant consumption of fruit containing fructose. So let's return to the first principle, which is why would something that we've been eating preferentially that's eaten today by hunter-gatherers preferentially, which is why we can make the statement that we've been eating this preferentially for millions of years, be bad for us? And are we falling prey to nutritional reductionism done with mouse studies or done with isolated fructose studies, which may not have the same effects in the human body. And then that's being conflated with actual evolutionarily consistent consumption of fruits or honey, which helps a lot of people who end up with electrolyte deficiencies, thyroid abnormalities, heart palpitations, when they go straight carnivore and they don't have any carbohydrates. If you are thriving on a carnivore diet, I love it. I love it. That's why I wrote my book. That's why I wrote the carnivore code. And if you read the carnivore code and you look at the material that I present, I don't just say don't eat any plants. I'm saying for some people, consider the fact that there's a spectrum of plant toxicity. That's what animal-based diet is all about. It gives people a lot more freedom because ultimately what I want, and then I think what many people in the space want is for you to feel better and the people you love to have a higher quality of life. And dogmatic thinking gets in the way of that. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. I don't think I don't like getting caught up in discussions of what is or isn't carnivore. I think that's completely useless. I want to know what's evolutionarily consistent for humans and what helps us thrive. End of story there. All right, a few more studies, then I'll wrap this one up. I want to talk about a few studies that were done in obese individuals with significant amounts of either higher uh, protein or carbohydrate diets. This is the effects of diets high in protein or carbohydrates on inflammatory markers in overweight subjects. Can you imagine what happens here? 
Dietary carbohydrate protein has no effect on inflammatory markers, but the study confirmed that body fatness is positively associated with levels of CRP. Imagine that. If you're obese, you have a higher CRP, but you can either have a high carbohydrate diet, ah, apostasy, that's heresy, or a high protein diet, and it doesn't affect your inflammatory markers. That's not that surprising, guys. I definitely think you're going to get better nutrients in your diet overall if you have a higher protein diet with more meat and especially more organs. If you don't have enough organs in your diet, you should definitely check us out at heartandsoil.co. We're doing Animal Base 30 this month. It's amazing. Go to animalbase330.com to sign up. It's free. There's a 30 page ebook about animal based diets, which again, I think are an amazing step. For most people, it's the way that I eat. Um, I definitely ate a fully carnivore diet. I was a dogmatic carnivore for a year and a half, guys. And then I just didn't feel good. And my electrolytes were all jacked up. And then I did a crazy thing. I ate some honey and fruit and I felt way better. Does it mean that I'm invalidating a carnivore diet? No, it just didn't work great for me. But so many of the principles that you think about in a carnivore diet are applicable because so many people still think that kale and broccoli which are bullshit, are great for humans. And they're not. Popeye was full of shit. That's what I'm telling you. It's full of shit. You've been sold the wrong thing. Vegetables, you don't need them as humans. You can get everything you need from meat and organs and maybe a little bit of fruit and honey if you're not doing that well with low carb. Don't be dogmatic. Do what works. Join us for Animal Base 30 this month, animalbase30.com. Check us out at hardandsoil.co. If you need more desiccated organs in your life, if you need more organs, you don't want to eat them, get desiccated organs. We just released whole package. It's amazing. It's got testicle. We released her package, which is crushing it, ovary, uterus, fallopian tubes for women. Can't say enough about these new supplements, guys. I love them. All right. Last couple, stu last couple studies to wrap up. Randomized controlled trial of changes in dietary carbohydrate to fat ratio and simple versus complex carbohydrates on body weight and blood lipids, the Carmen study. Well, we all know that simple carbohydrates are bad, right? Wrong. Our findings suggest that reduction in fat intake results in modest but significant reduction in body weight and body fatness. That's okay. That might be because it's decreasing calories. Uh, the concomitant increases in either simple or complex carbohydrates did not indicate significant differences in weight changes. No adverse effects on blood lipids were observed, even with simple carbohydrates, the most hated things out there other after uh, you know, meat. Uh, the findings underline the importance of dietary change, its potential impact on the public health implications of obesity. Imagine that. You can change obesity with increasing quality of diet. All right, last study here, the effect the effect, the effect of fructose on body weight in controlled feeding trials, a systemic review and meta-analysis. Fructose does not seem to cause weight gain when it is substituted for other carbohydrates in diets providing similar calories. Free fructose at high doses, high doses that provided excess calories, modestly increased body weight. Imagine that. Free fructose never occurs in nature, an effect that may be due to the extra calories rather than the fructose. Again, this is the problem with most nutritional reductionism studies, they don't really represent what happens in humans. And just for one little cherry on top of this wonderful fruit and honey-filled meat cake, the effects of natural honey consumption in diabetic patients, an eight-week randomized clinical trial, this couldn't possibly be good for diabetics except body weight, total cholesterol, low-density lipoprotein, and triglycerides decreased, and high-density lipoprotein cholesterol increased significantly in the honey group. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'll talk about this finding the A1C in a moment, but if you have LDL going down, triglycerides going down, HDL going up, you have increased metabolic health, especially if you have body weight going down as well. Many people listening to this will know I don't get really tied up in the LDL, but the trigs going down, HDL going up, and body weight going down suggests that it's going in the right direction. A1C going up means that in diabetic patients, if you eat honey, it's going to affect your blood sugar levels. 
no shit. But you're going to get metabolically healthy or healthier. It didn't make them less metabolically healthy. It made them more metabolically healthy. Now, do I think that honey is something that should be consumed en masse by diabetics? No, I don't think honey is a great thing for diabetics because your metabolic health is already broken. Don't eat a lot of honey. But I think the study illustrates the fact that you can give diabetics honey and they get more metabolically healthy. Their blood sugar goes up, of course. But how do you really get metabolically healthy as a diabetic? You avoid seed oils, which I think are the main thing that breaks your adipocytes, your fat cells, causes them to release tons of non-esterified fatty acids, which is the basis of metabolic dysfunction. I've covered that in many videos in the past. I've gone on way too long in this video. Hopefully this helps to uh, drive home the point that fructose is not something to fear when it's in whole food form, guys. You can eat fructose with meat all you want. You can eat bananas, you can eat honey, and you should do a CGM with NutriSense. I'm gonna do a second podcast with the folks from NutriSense and talk about continuous glucose monitors. You can do it to prove it to yourself. You can also do fasting insulin levels like I've done on myself and see that all these metabolic health markers get better or stay the same. They don't get worse. So all these studies people are gonna show you about fructose being bad, first ask yourself, is it done in rats and mice who have increased de novo lipogenesis? Is it isolated fructose? Is it a massive dose? Is it hypercaloric? And then are there any studies that actually show this in fruit and honey, like real foods? The answer is no. So don't get the conflation of the nutritional reductionist studies confusing you. Ultimately do what works for you and thrive and enjoy your life. Love you guys. Stay radical.